Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. And I don't know if you can tell, but I'm super excited if you're watching this on video right now. I have a new studio kind of set up gig here. Um, I am looking at my camera, which is behind a teleprompter, which has a monitor, which bringing up the screen. And I got two fancy lights here, a light behind me and a decorative landscaping light. I can't figure out my things. And then like a, even a color light that's not even working really that well. But I'm in the middle of setting the studio up and I'm excited to be here on this podcast. This is the uh, Real Estate Investing Mastery podcast. And I'm going, there it is. That, it's still working here. So I got a special guest today. His name, you've heard of him. If you, unless you're hiding under a rock and you've not seen any kind of really cool Facebook ads or Instagram ads from D Jamil Damji from Keegley and astro flipping. He's in the house. I got him on the podcast. And uh, this is a cool guy that I met six to, oh, I don't remember Jamil, I'll ask you in a minute, but it was probably eight, 10 months ago. Super cool guy, but I didn't really know who he was yet, right? And then fast forward a few months, I'm seeing him everywhere on Facebook. Everybody's talking about him and he's doing a lot of awesome things. So I texted him. I said, hey, do you remember me? He's like, yeah, I know you. I said, can I get you on the podcast? He said, yeah, let's do it. So anyway, I got Jamil on and we're going to be talking about some of the cool things that he's doing. And I'm excited about this podcast. Uh, first of all, Oh, I just redesigned my office. I normally show you my book. I have a, a book called REI Secrets. And if you don't know about it yet, you need to get it. It's called REI Secrets, Daily Nuggets for Real Estate Investing Wisdom. And you can get it for free. Just pay the shipping and handling. If you go to reisecrets.com, reisecrets.com, get the book. It's free. Just pay for a little bit of shipping and handling and we'll get it out to you. The cool thing about this book is um, I just it's kind of like a daily devotional for people who are interested in real estate investing. And it, it doesn't have anything to do with God. Although... God's awesome. But it's like this book is it's not like that kind of devotional, if you know what I mean. Go get it at reisecrets.com. It's about 150 little five minute chunks that you can pick up and read really quickly and get something out of that that can apply to your business, to your real estate investing business. That'll help you get more leads, close more deals, make more money in this competitive real estate market, right? So having said that, I want to bring Jamil on and hopefully this, I got this all new setup thing and I'm really nervous that I'm going to screw it up. Let's see if I can bring Jamil on. Jamil, hey, are you there? I'm right here, man. Good to oh, see you. Bro. Oh man, how are you, man? Fantastic. Fantastic. It's a beautiful day here in Arizona. It's nice and crispy, cool. I'm just enjoying the day, enjoying life. Everything's great. I'm happy to be on this podcast with you. I'm a big fan of yours, man. Well, thank you, Jamil. I appreciate it. Like I said in my intro here, you've taken kind of the interwebs by storm, I think. I mean, just watching the cool things that you do. I saw a really funny video yesterday on my feed of you doing some cold calling, and it was hilarious. You were in some kind of freezer yeah. doing cold calling. You're, you're kind of, I like to call you the Billy Jean of real estate investing. Appreciate that. Is That's that a compliment? A huge compliment. <laughs> uh, Billy Jean is another guy I really look up to and think is yeah. amazing. And he's done such great work out there, helped so many people. Big fan of his. So if he gets to watch this, hey, Billy, I love you, man. <laughs> Thank you. Gonna, I appreciate it. I was in a mastermind uh, yesterday. And let me know if my mic isn't working too. My mic is like right here. And it's so weird because I'm normally talking on this thing, 
right? Yeah. And it's normally like in my face, but now it's pointing down on me like this evil menacing stick makes me a little nervous. But no, you you're you are crispy, clear. Your audio, I feel like you're in my room right now. So it's great. Oh, nice. Okay. Well, good. All right. So I was in a mastermind yesterday and uh, talking to some really high level players and we were talking about you. Your name came up, what you're doing with Astro Flipping and Keegley. But one of the things that I think, Jamil, that you're so good at is being out of the box, being funny, you know, not being your traditional, boring, nerdy real estate investor, right? You're just being yourself, you're laid back, and you're chill. And I think people find that really refreshing. Thank you. Thank you. You know, it's interesting, right? I've been a student of the arts for a long time. And always I've seen this repetitive message from Shakespeare to Tupac, uh-huh. right? That authenticity and being true to yourself is the ticket to a good life. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, it's a message I try to impart to my children and, and to let them really understand how embracing yourself for your qualities, for your imperfections, for the things that drive you nuts about you for the things you love about you, but it just embracing all of it and uh, owning it. And then really being grateful to God for the gifts that you've been given. And even your things, the challenges that you have in your life for the opportunities to grow that you really can shine out there warts and all. And, you know, I, you know, it's funny that you said you hadn't heard of me and that was by design. Truly, Joe, I had my, my goal getting into real estate in Phoenix, Arizona was to be anonymous. In fact, Uh, Brent Daniels and I were on a podcast like three years ago and he brought up how he came to find me. And my, my original break into the Phoenix market was cold calling real estate agents and telling them all I wanted to buy original condition houses or anything in distress, needing work, but, and that I had a large checkbook to, to stroke. However, I would be their best client, but the day that they told anybody my name, I'd be gone. Really? That's how I did it. I said, I'm really? going to remain anonymous. I'm not trying to be your sticker child. I don't want to be your poster child. I don't want you you know, talking about me out there. I want to do business. I want to do it quietly and I want to do it professionally. And that intrigued these realtors so much because mystery is truly a fascinating phenomenon, right? And so, mm-hmm. and you know, mystery with performance is a winning combination as well. So I would perform on these deals and And I really built up an opportunity of building a referral business. So Brent Daniels comes to learn about me through one of these loose-lipped agents who couldn't keep it in, right? Brent Daniels, he's in Phoenix. He's in Phoenix. And I'd actually cold-called Brent Daniels because he was a real estate agent at the time. And I'd had the same pitch to him. And so when he heard another agent have the same pitch, he's like, hold on a second. Is that Jamil Damji? And they're like, yes, yes, of course. That's who it is. He's like, oh, my God, this guy's genius. And, you know, fast forward a few years, we build Keegley. Keegley becomes one of the nation's vol- most high volume uh, transactor of wholesale deals. And he asked me about it. He said, what was that about? And I said, look, I'm not really, I haven't, yeah, I'm, I'm in my 40s, right? I'm, I'm not really trying to be known. I would really just want to do business. I want to grow. And that's when he gave me the speech that I believe changed my life. He said, you're being irresponsible to all of those individuals who need you by staying quiet. You are really being unfair because you have something to share. You have knowledge to share. You're a real operator. You've done something in this business I haven't seen anybody be able to accomplish volume-wise and numbers-wise. And you want to remain quiet. And I think that's unfair, especially when there are people out there who are on the and who are the antithesis of that. And people need an opportunity to see an option. And so 
Brent really gave me permission, I believe, in the beginning to get loud. And, and uh, I followed that and it has served me well. You mentioned it, you touched on it briefly a little bit. Uh, you are, by the way, one of the largest wholesalers and investors in the United States, in the entire U.S. And you really haven't become, I mean, that wasn't an overnight thing. I mean, this no. hasn't, this has been a, a while in, in the in the process, but, and you just kind of didn't become even known except for maybe in the last six to 12 months. Correct. So I think people are like scratching their heads thinking, who's this guy, Jamil? So talk a little bit about your business and like what you've been doing the last few years to get to where you are now. Sure. So I actually began wholesaling in 2002. So I, you know, one of the ones that was doing it and I did it, I wholesaled my first deal without any mentor. And I wish I had one so I couldn't have, so I could have fast forwarded through so much, but I began really trying to solve a problem for a friend. So my business partner at the time, I was in a media company. I was trying to sell websites in 2002 where people weren't really interested in the internet. They hadn't believed in it yet. Yellow Pages was still dominating marketing for businesses and small businesses. And so my, my model was cold calling people out of the Yellow Pages and trying to convince them to go online with their business. And it was a failed business uh, attempt. Every website we built cost us $700 to build and I was selling them for 600 so every time I made a sale, we lost a hundred bucks. That doesn't win, right? That doesn't work. So, but it planted the seeds and put me in proximity to my business partner, whose father was a home builder. And this guy was in a meeting with my, my partner and complaining about not being able to find any building lots. And, you know, and they were, I also was eavesdropping on the conversation and they had discussed making $160,000 on this deal that they had just completed. This is These numbers are just nutty to me at the time, right? Because I'm literally making $300 a week in this business. I'm drawing $300 a week from a business that's just hemorrhaging money. And I, I'm not living a good lifestyle. I'm really, really, you know, 12, 14 hour days. It's tough. And um, I jump into the convo and I ask, how can I get involved? And they really tried to not have me get involved. They both said, you don't have any money. You don't have any way to help us. But I was like, look, you're, you're talking about these building lots. Explain that to me. What are you looking for? And the builder, my partner's dad said, I need these houses that have a minimum of 50 feet in frontage. They need to be zoned R2. They need to be 120 feet deep. And they need to be in the inner city neighborhoods of our town. And I'm like, great, thank you. <laughs> I walked out. And so the next day I'm walking my dog and I just so happened to rent a basement suite in one of these neighborhoods in that area of town. And so I'm walking my dog and I'm walking by a house I tried to rent a few weeks back prior. And I noticed this house is still for rent. It had been for rent for some time. And I called the rental sign and I said, you know, it was like the fifth of the month at that point. And I asked, I noticed your house is still for rent, but would this property happen to be on a 50 by 120 foot lot? And the woman's like, it's actually 50 by 130. Why? And I'm like, great, great. Well, would you be interested in selling instead of renting? Because you're wow. having a hard time renting it, but, but maybe you'd want to sell it. And she said, everything's for sale at the right price. All right, tell me the right price. And she said, $350,000. So I fly back to the office, walk into my partner's office, and I say, how much does your dad buy these homes for? 400 grand, minimum. So now I have a $50,000 problem. I don't have 350 grand. I don't know how to get him this house for 400. I don't know what to do. But I revert back to what my business model is, which is calling, cold calling out of the yellow pages. So I go to lawyers in the L section in the phone book, and I start calling attorneys. I, and I call 
all the way down to the letter S. And not even just the beginning of S, the lawyer who answered the phone was David Steed, (laughs) S-T-E-E-D, David Steed. He was so fresh out of law school, he hadn't had money to buy a secretary, not buy, to hire a secretary yet, right? So he wasn't able to even hire a secretary. He's answering his own phone. And I just dump on him on this call. And I'm like, this is what's happening. I have a guy who wants to buy a house for me for $400,000. I have a seller who wants to sell me a house for $350,000. I don't have a dime in my name. What do I do? And he explains it to me. He said, oh, that's simple. You need two contracts. One where you're the buyer, one where you're the seller. And the only thing you need to remember is on your name, when you're writing, when you're writing your name down as the buyer, you've got to write your name and or assignee. Then you bring me those contracts. And in a couple of weeks, I'll send you a check. Nice. What year was this again, Jamil? 2002. 2002. And I'm, I'm shocked. It works. The guy takes around $2,000 in legal fees out of it. And I have like a 40, you know, just like 47,000 and some dollar cashier's check. And I can't believe it. I wow. thought I hit the lottery. And because now I understood what to do, that was it. My life had changed because I just every day I'd get the classified section of the newspaper and I'd call the for rents and I'd see if they wanted to rent. I was out in those neighborhoods all the time driving for dollars. I didn't even know what that was. Just looking for houses that might be on lot sizes like that, knocking on doors. I lost my mind, but I did so well because it was just me. I felt like I was in this gold mine of opportunity and nobody was around. And so that's where I cut my teeth, Joe, and I, I end up doing really well. I moved from uh, wholesaling single family houses to apartment buildings because I'm noticing a trend in development. I'm seeing that these builders are now buying apartment buildings and they're, uh, they're, they're condoing them and selling them off as individual units. And so they need the raw material, the building, in order to do that. And so there's all these projects going on with all these developers and builders who all have a phone number that I can call on their signs. And so I'm just running around to all the for rent signs on these older apartment buildings that are like handwritten, you know, handwritten for rent signs. And I'm calling everybody and I'm getting deals under contract. And then I'm flipping them for a hundred thousand dollar profit to these developers who want to then condo them. Wow. And I have a fantastic time doing that. I do that until 2008. You know, what? I- there's a real common thread here, guys. If you're yeah. noticing Jamil is going out and finding the demand. Correct. Finding the buyers first. You know, I learned from, um, I think it was Kent Clothier. It's much easier to sell people what they want rather than what you have. And that applies to any business. One of my favorite shows is The Undercover Billionaire. And Glenn Stearns, I think it was the last guy who did it. Uh, One of the first things he did is he went around and kind of virtually knocked on businesses' doors and said, what are you looking for? What do you need? And he found one guy who wanted big tires. So he went out and then found big tires for the guys, right? So uh, this applies to any business that you're in. Find out what your customers want and then go get it for them, right? And it's the same in real estate. Anyway, I just wanted to interject that. Uh, no, I appreciate that. Thanks for you know pointing that out. And it's true. It's really true. Yeah. Fast forward, I go through the real estate crash. And, and, how, and how did you go through that? What happened in, in 08 through 2011? Oh, I decided to, you know, when, when you're making money of that nature and you're doing really well, also I'm really young at the time. And so I'm just ambitious and I'm, I want to do it all. Right. And so I say, well, I want to be the developer now. I, I've made enough cash to be able to go and do this. And so I've got all this, all these funds here. I don't really have a lot of credit, but I've got all this money and I, I know how to find these buildings and this construction stuff doesn't seem difficult. So Let's just keep the next four buildings that I get under contract and do the deal. And my sister is with me. And obviously, because we don't have credit, I go to my parents and I say, would you co-sign for me on some construction loans? And I'm going all in on these. And so 
we buy four buildings, we get, you know, a quarter way through construction, all of a sudden the credit crunch happens. And, you know, Canada was a little bit, and I'm, this is in Canada at the time, I'm not even in the U.S. Okay. Uh, we had a, the aftershocks of the credit crisis was about four months. And I'm coming from Calgary, Alberta, which is an oil town, an oil province. And, and, and oil people have this invincibility about them. You know, they feel like they're always prior to the oil going to negative dollars. They thought they were, the you know, King Kong. Right. Yeah. And so. Oh, yeah. The province had this sentiment of untouchability, that we are not going to be phased by a financial crisis. We have oil, right? But that's not true. So what happened is I ended up going bankrupt very quickly. The same bank that had pre-qualified all of my pre-sales now called in all of those pre-qualifications and said, we need to re-qualify these buyers. That's the same bank that gave me the construction loan. After they go to re-qualify all those buyers, and now they say they're not qualified anymore. Our credit criteria has changed. We're calling all these back, which means we're recalling your construction loan, which means you now have to pay us for your acquisition and your construction. And you've got 30 days to do it. And that's this. That's the vice the banks put us in. So I yeah. like learned this whole scam of leverage. Right now, you start to understand the power of the bank, how their documents are written and how the government enforces those documents. Oh, yeah. And I was literally bankrupt in a matter of like 60 days. Mm. Not only me, but my sister my mom and my dad, every, we lose everything, right? I bought my mom a lake house. I lived on this gorgeous glass house overlooking the entire city, 26 years old, you know, just thinking I'm on top of the world. I have, you know, I do, I do all the ignorant things that a 26 year old with money should do, right? Vehicles, really, you know, terrible relationship choices and, and this over, this, this overbuilt home. And yeah. it's all gone, right? It's all gone. And so I get this humbling experience where I'm now living in a two-bedroom, one-bath apartment with my mother, my father, my sister, our 150-pound dog, my niece, and our cat. And that doesn't right. sound like fun. It didn't. You know what, though? It was. It was. It was emotionally heart-wrenching for me to see that. But being in my mom's house again, you know, in my in my like late 20s, early 30s, like really? being with my parents again and having that humility, like really being able to see what family means and what it means to stick with each other. My parents never once said, you made us homeless. You took everything from us. We worked for 40 years to get this and in one stroke of a pen, you took it all. They never said it. Wow. They never made me feel bad. They just brought me back in and they said, come on, son, let's do something else. Are they, are they still around? Oh yeah, they're still around and with everything that's happened, my they're they're back in their glory. They live in a beautiful home. Their their lives are amazing. We've taken we've definitely blessed our parents back for their compassion and their understanding through that oh, hard time. Cool. Yeah, good for you, man. All right. So uh you you obviously came out of this bankruptcy and the financial disaster, which I have a similar story. Not I wasn't not as bad, but it's yeah, I can feel your pain. So then what happened? Uh, 2012, you know, things started coming back up. When did you move yeah. to Phoenix? And So 2008, uh, end of 2008, I, um, and this is kind of funny, and, and you'll understand now why you've been watching these, you know, funny videos for me. I actually decide, I'm, I can't do this real estate thing right now. I'm just, I can't even think about it. I got to go do something else. So I moved to Los Angeles to become a comedian. Did you really? I did. No and uh, I do the circuits. I start doing open mics, getting laughed off stage, booed off stage, but I start getting better and better and better. I start getting more authentic, more real, more honest with what I'm saying. You know, honesty and, and vulnerability is the key to connection, right? And so 
I start to really understand that and hone it in and, and craft it. And then I get this opportunity to do sketch comedy for Funny or Die, which is a website yeah. by Will Ferrell. Yeah. And I'm doing these sketches that are going on Funny or Die, and it's awesome, and I'm having a great time. But again, it's Hollywood. It's Tinseltown, and it's not really real, right? It's a, your, your friends aren't real. Your situations aren't real. The money isn't great. But, you know, I'm thinking, this is cool, but I really love real estate. I really, really, really love real estate. So I start... You know, looking at places around me, L.A. is a really expensive place to live. And the market in Phoenix was such that I could buy a condo in Phoenix for $30,000 and rent it for $800 a month. What year was this? 2010. Oh, my goodness. By the way, let me just interject something here. I'm good friends with Sean McCloskey, and he has a speaker training. And this is good training, whether you're negotiating deals or selling stuff to people on a stage or on a webinar. Anyway, well, he said one of the best things you can do is go to improv training. Like go to an improv class. And uh, there's one in St. Louis. I've been wanting to do it. I just haven't done it yet. But what a great idea, you know, learning how to not take yourself so seriously, right? Learning how to laugh and learning how to think on your toes with improv comedy and being okay with making a fool out of yourself, right? Totally. And I thought, man, that's so cool. And, and he gave some testimonials or examples of people that have done that, that dramatically increased their negotiating skills or sales skills and all that stuff. So something to think about. For it's true people. because the key tenet of improv comedy is, is this, yes and. Ah. So you're always in agreement yeah. and then you're adding to the situation, right? I think we are so conditioned as people to say, no, 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 me. No, 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 but, right? That's what we, our, our subconscious minds are no but. That's the, that's the fact, right? That's yeah, just what we're, what we're taught, what our brain teaches us to do to survive, uh-huh. right? It's like no but safety, no but safety. That's what the mind and the brain does. Yeah. And improv is yes and, meaning yes, I will agree to this situation and here's how I'll add to it. And so that's very cool that I didn't even know that a, that was a part of a speaker's training. Adam says here, yes, Sir Hunt says this all the time, learning, acting and improve improv actually increases your success. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. All right. So you buy this condo for 30 grand and you rent it out for 800. All right. Renting them for 800 and I'm, and I'm continuing to do this so I can arbitrage my my rent in LA. Right. And then, uh, I get, and, and I'm buying all these through short sale, right. Cause it's like short sales and, and that's the process. And you know, if you bought them, I'm sure you did Joe short, short sales take around. They at the time were taking around six months to come to fruit. You'd put the contract on the property. The agent would be negotiating with the bank. You'd get an approval letter at some point where they negotiate back and forth on pricing. You get an approval letter and now you've got 30 days to fund and close. So this is the life cycle of a short sale deal that I'd be in trying to buy these condos. Well, I'm contracting a lot because a lot. sometimes the bank was just not reasonable in their response. And so 50% of your short sale contracts were falling out. So thank you. Thank you. And so I start to contract more and I over contract. I'm in too many deals. I get too many approvals. And so I say to my agent, hey, these two houses, I'm not really big on. I like these condos that the bank keeps approving. But these these two these two houses in this area I'm not familiar with. I don't know about them. I'm not sure if I'm going to move forward with it. And she's like, "It's okay. You got some time. You got 30 days before the bank wants you to close. You know, chew on it." So I go on to Craigslist just because my brain now has the muscle memory of this wholesaling thing, right? I, we, I didn't even have a name for it. I didn't it, wholesaling wasn't even a thing for me. I didn't even have a name. It was just like I just knew you could do this. 
Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, well, if contract law in Canada is, is such, it's got to be the same here in the United States. It was a little different with a short sale, and that was an interesting process. But I go on a Craigslist and I write an ad that has, you know, these two houses and I mark them up $10,000 more than what my acquisition price was. And like 15 minutes later, Joe, this guy by the name of Tim Wynn, who is Mike Lima's partner, who was Sean Terry's partner, really calls me up and says, hey, I like these houses. I'll take them. And I was like, what are you saying? Because I just made $20,000 on a 15-minute post on Craigslist. Wow. Right? If that's not the universe saying to you, my man, look at the ease of which how this works out for you. Like just, you know, your serendipity is something. And like you just keep stepping into these opportunities. There's something here. Right. And so I sell these two properties. Wholesaling a short sale was interesting and different and cool, but got through those deals, deed restrictions and, and affidavits and all that were, were tough. So you had to buy it, close it, hold it, sell it. Anyhow, I get these, I get 20 grand after holding and closing. I think I'm in it. I actually get 16 or something. But Mike Lima's partner, Tim, super amazing guy, like beautiful human being, call, just says, you seem to really understand this. Like, do you have a history? Do you have, a, do you have, have you learned this? And I said, well, I used to do this, but now I'm a comedian. <laughs> he laughed, right? He's like, this is hilarious. So you're in L.A.? I'm like, I'm in L.A. He's like, well, what are you doing? I'm like, well, not much because I'm a comedian, which means I'm pretty much out of work, (laughs) right? So he said, drive out here and hang out with me for a week. Let me show you what's going on. You might think there's an opportunity for you here. And I did. I come out for a week. I get a hotel. And this guy so graciously allows me to basically be a fly on the wall and watch him do what he's doing, which is buying and selling deals all day long. And in that week, I saw him literally wholesale $50,000 worth of profits. And, you know, I'm about and now I'm, I'm engaged to be married. Right. My wife, my, my girlfriend, my girlfriend at the time is living in Canada. And so I'm going to have to immigrate her to the United States because I'm the only American citizen in my family. I was born in Los Angeles, but at the age of eight, my family moved us to Canada. And so I'm the only American. I have to I have to bring my my girlfriend down, my fiance down. And I'm thinking about life and saying, do I want to have this life where I'm in comedy clubs till midnight every night, drinking beer every day, coming home, stinking like cigarettes, you know, laughing, making fun of myself all day, making fun of my family, making, you know, just doing this for pennies. Or do I take an opportunity to go out here and really do something that could affect our lives and, and not be selfish, not be chasing my glo- my glory, but right. really doing this as a, as a means to rebuild a family? So my birthday, 12-12-12, December 12, 2012, I'm in a U-Haul, driving down the 10, crying my eyes out, so scared, so scared of what I'm doing right now because I'm saying to myself, uh, this is one of the most selfless things you've, you've ever done, Jamil. This is all about them, all about your family. But this is the right thing. Keep driving. Keep driving. On my ro- on my way to Phoenix, I get in a haboob. For those of you who don't know what a haboob is, it's a sandstorm. I'm on the 10 freeway in the middle of a sandstorm on my birthday, driving from Los Angeles to Phoenix. I can't see 30 inches in front of me, and I think it's the apocalypse. I don't realize what a sandstorm is, and I don't know that they're common in Phoenix. And so I'm stuck on the 10 with no sight in front of me, beside me, nothing. 
just like scared. I'm thinking this is an ominous sign from God to turn around and go back, but it's not. I just keep going. It's one of those tests, you know, one of those things that you just got to kind of move through. I make it out of that sandstorm. I get to Phoenix and Joe, I can't tell you like how fast my life rapidly moved from there. Fast forward a few years, I'm wholesaling in Phoenix. I'm getting the groove. I, you know, I cut my teeth with Mike Lima and Tim. I end out on my own. I start wholesaling more and more and more. My sister what, what year is this, by the way? This is, starts now thir- 12, 13, 14. And I'm, and I'm, you know, I'm probably doing around 10, 15 deals a month. I, 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 I got all of that volume by cold calling realtors. So realtors would just send me their opportunities, just send me their opportunity. And they still do. They, I have one agent that I work with that I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll do $1.3 million in assignments in 2020. Wow. And I'm still working with that agent from cold calling her in 2012. And so these relationships are serving me. I'm doing really well. And then all of a sudden, I have a disposition problem. I have this issue where I can't move all the deals that I'm able to put in contract. And so I reach out to an individual here that I had heard had a really big buyer's list. And I say, can we JV? Can we work together on this? And he really kindly and graciously allows me to use his list. And we, we wholesale together. And, but our timing wasn't in sync. This individual, great guy, but you know, a little bit uh, on the more mature side of his career and, and was slowing down while I'm speeding up. And so... I, what ended up happening is he'd be out in the Bahamas a lot, vacationing a lot, and I'd try to get a hold of him, and he wouldn't answer his phone. And that became frustrating to me, so I started looking for other outlets for my deals. I'm at a sandwich packing party, okay? A sandwich, a sandwich, a sandwich packing party. I hear of this opportunity to make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for homeless people. Okay. And my child, who I'm watching now become entitled and spoiled, has no understanding of what it even looks like to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. So I get this idea that you got to get my wife and the kid out to the sandwich packing party. We're going to make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. We're going to go out the next day and we're going to hand these sandwiches out to homeless people. And she's going to understand what it looks like to be homeless and how hard it is to make money. Right. This is my this is like what's going on in my heart. Why we're here. Also, we're going to do a good deed and help people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. At the sandwich packing party, I meet these this really young guy, Josiah Grimes. And and he hears about me through the grapevine and he's like, hey, I heard you do a lot of wholesale deals. You know, how how many deals did you do last month? And I had truly done 14 and I said, I did 14 deals. And he just couldn't believe it. Like his mind was blown by that, right? He's like, how? I do like one or two and I I feel like I can't sleep. Like I'm I'm just constantly running and running and running and running and running. And I'm like, well, it's easy. I don't really you know, handle a lot of it. I just get the deals under contract and I give them to somebody else to sell. He's like, well, that's brilliant. You know, I have a really great buyer's list. Would you ever give me an opportunity to help you sell your deals? And I'm like, look, I'm in a situation with someone. I work with somebody pretty closely, but if anything changes, I'll call you up. Give me your phone number. And he does. And a couple of weeks later, the guy I'm working with goes to the Bahamas again and stops answering my calls. And I've got a couple of houses I need to disposition. So since he's not available, I call Josiah. Josiah answers the call in one call in one ring and I send him the deal and he sends it out. And 30 minutes later, he sells it. And I'm like, this is great. So I give him another one and he sells it. This is amazing. So I give him another one and he sells it. I'm like, what are these kids doing? Right? Cause it's him and this. Now Josiah is like 22 at the time and his partner's 17 Hunter Runyon, right? 17 years old. And he doesn't answer the phone. The hunter doesn't pick up the phone. He's antisocial. He hates talking to people, right? Wants to do everything by text. 
Josiah is really personable, really outgoing, really awesome energy, like great. They're both awesome and both have great energy, but Josiah is really outspoken, really yeah. like people guy. So we start, I start loosely dispositioning deals with these two kids for a year, a whole year. And their performance is just spectacular. Like uh, when I say Joe, like selling the deal in a half an hour, that's like an overstatement. Really? That's an understatement. Sorry. Because they would sell them in 10 minutes sometimes, five minutes sometimes. Like I couldn't believe how fast these kids operated and the deals would close and they would handle the transactions. And it was amazing. Like my life was so good. It was so easy. And so I have this idea one day. I meditate a lot, right? I, I, I meditate every morning. It's, it's part of my, my wiring and how I, how I yeah, operate. Yeah. And so after a meditation session, I get this I download, I get this idea that I want to build a national wholesaling operation that is that goes across the country. I get this ambition to do a deal in every city in the United States. And I take this to the guy who's in the Bahamas. And I say, I have this amazing idea to do this big thing. And would you like to do this with me? And unfortunately, he wasn't interested in doing it with me. He was like, you know, I don't really want to go that big. You know, I'm, I'm, my, I'm, my partnership's actually with my family and not really with you. And so, you know, I don't really see how this works out because there's just too many people. And so uh, it's not really interesting to me. I'll pass. Cool. So I called Josiah and I, and I say to him, here's my ambition. Here's what I want to do. This is really, really big. Um, but I think it can happen. And Josiah and Hunter, these two kids being young and ambitious and really bright eyed said, let's try it. And so, and so we go and Keegley is born. And, and what year was that? This is in 2000, end of 2014, beginning of 2015. Nice. All right. Nationwide wholesaling. This is your this is model. My, this is my model. And you're doing this from Phoenix. Correct. Okay. Correct. So nationwide, of course, is a big goal, but we have to first corner Phoenix, right? And so we get at it. Our, you know, our first month, we do 17 transactions. Our second month, we do 30 transactions. And then it just starts blowing up from there. 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, you know, almost hit 100 deals in a month. And it's just bananas. It's crazy. Everybody's hearing about us in town. They're like, who are these guys? Like, how are they doing so many deals? And it's we're, the reason we're able to do all these deals is, A, I'm doing really well in acquisitions, but we're our buyers list is so strong that other wholesalers who are being trained by other educators to go out and lock up deals, those educators are missing the other side of the equation. They're just telling them, lock up a good deal and the buyer will come. That's bullshit. Excuse my language. It's not true. You can't just lock up a deal and a buyer will show up magically at your door. You got to go out and find them and you got to show them the opportunity. And even sometimes they're going to think it's too good to be true. Sometimes they're not going to know you. You got to build these relationships. There's there's finesse that ha has to happen in selling, in, in dispositioning a deal. And so all these wholesalers that are learning how to do cold calling and texting and whatever it is that they're doing, and mailers, which are all great, they all work. I know I knock them sometimes, but that's just me being funny. But they all have their place. They all work in their capacities. These people now can't sell their deals. They've got a contract, but they have no outlet. Mm -hmm. And so it opens up a window of opportunity for us to help them sell their deals. And that's where the model of Keegley really blows up because we become so proficient at finding high value buyers that'll pay more money than even they could find on their own list. Wholesalers just start bringing us their opportunities before they even try their own list because they know we can sell for more. Even paying us, they make more money on the deal than they would have had they used their own buyer. And so, so do, you, do you spend more of your time with Keegley now 
finding buyers or finding sellers or is a mix between the both? What it's, is it? It's um, our core capacity, Joe, is building buyers lists. Hmm. That is where all of our investment goes into. If you came and saw our office and our operation, our acquisitions department is this big. Our dispositions department is this big. Our buyers list intake, it's called intake systems. That department is massive. That is just like rows and rows of desks and people and bodies. And that's where we do our investment. We are always out there finding the better buyer. I, I know a couple of different realtors in the St. Louis area that are top producing agents. Now in the realtor speak, that is like the top producing agent is the one that gets the most listings, right? That right. Um, has the, they're on the billboards and they're on the top 10 list and all of that. But what people don't realize is to be a quote unquote top producer, you need a huge team, right? Correct. And you need all kinds of uh, staff and overhead and it just, and you talk to some of these guys, you know, without anybody else listening and, they're, they, and they don't have an ego, you really drill down to their net, net, net numbers. And it's kind of embarrassing how much, how little they actually make. But I know at least two different realtors in the St. Louis area that nobody's maybe even heard of in the realtor community that make more money than all the top producers. Why? Because they find buyers first. They find the buyers first, find out what they're looking for, and then go and get the properties for them. And they could be retail buyers or investor buyers. And the crazy thing is, is like people, realtors, I'm talking specifically realtors, they think that's unsexy. Like that's right. what beginner realtors do. That's what you do when you first join the business. You go show homes or you do open houses or whatever. These realtors that are smart, they understand that. Well, it, it may be like the not the sexy thing to do, but it's the fastest way to make money. And if you get good at it, you don't need a huge team. You don't need a huge overhead. Just find the buyers and then the MLS is filled with properties for these realtors to show them. Well, anyway, just wanted to confirm what you're saying there. Very true. And and also true, the, the non-sexy part, right? Which is yeah. why, you know, there you 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 really didn't see people gravitate towards learning that as a as a business model because the sexiness is in talking to sellers, is in getting the deal, it's in the wolf of Wall Street, it's in the let's get him, let's get him, let's get the deals. That's sexy, right? Yeah. But what's sexier to me is give me the check, baby. <laughs> you know, like I just want the check. Yeah. So I think that, and also serving, serving that buyer so that they make money and do well, that's sexy too. But it, anyhow, which is All right, so, this ties into astro flipping, right? Because Keegley is your, would you call it a franchise system or? Yeah. So we, we just last year, so halfway through last year, uh, just once COVID actually happened, we uh, completed the FDD which is the franchise disclosure document. That's a big deal. It's a huge deal. It costs a ton of money. It takes, you know, your audit and financials to make sure that you're legit. You can't franchise if you're not, if, you, if they haven't given you the thorough look around in every corner of every crevice of your yeah. business and all the filing cabinets that you have to be legit, right? And so we will go through that process. They, ver they verify us. We get audited. They love us. They're like, this is great. We franchise right out the gate. We sold 30 franchises for 2020. And for 2021, we had a goal to sell 150. And so what just happened actually a couple of weeks ago is a group, a private equity group has approached us and they've contracted to buy all 150 that we had available for 2021. Holy so, so it looks like we're very likely, and once that completes in funds, we're very close to it. We should be sold out for uh, franchises for 2021, now taking deposits for 2022. Good for you, man. That is awesome. That's crazy. Crazy. Wow. <laughs> All right. So then what is astro flipping? Talk about that. Astro flipping is my coaching program. Okay. So this is where I get in and I really get in the weeds with my students. So I teach what we do. I teach how we find deals. 
I teach how we sell deals. I, I believe that my methods are the quickest way to a check. And so I teach that. And, I, and, I, and because I have been doing this for so long and I understand it so well, I don't hire student mentors to, to do the trainings. Like I actually am on the coaching calls. I'm doing twice a week with my guys. I spend around 10 hours a week in coaching calls with them, my, my students. And I really care because I have, I have this, I see myself in every person that is on the Zoom with me. You know, they're me. They're me just a little while ago. Right. And yeah. and so I see myself in them. And so I have this duty, I feel that to really be able to be there as a support. But the true thing that I'm telling people is let's get out there and make a ton of mistakes. Just get out there and mess it up. Bring me the mess and we'll clean it together and then you can cash a check. Right. And so that's what we do. And it's amazing, Joe. Our, our, our group is, our community is so well gelled, so cohesive. My students are doing deals together. It's been a phenomenal success. And then the, the, the fun thing is it requires ads for Facebook, right? In order to, for anyone to know me or know about what we do, I got to create marketing. And I'm looking at marketing out there and I'm watching it all. And it's talking heads. It's talking heads. It's talking heads. It's talking heads. And I can't stay engaged, even though I love the guy who's talking. I can't stay engaged long enough to click on the link because it's just boring, right? I'm like, oh, man, another talking head. And then I think to myself, well, why don't you just marry your comedy with the, your, your progress in the business? And who cares if you make a fool of yourself? What's anyone going to say to you? You're legit, <laughs> right? Like you are the real deal. So let them say stuff to you. Let them talk. Be, let, be you. Get out there. Make a fool of yourself. Take your shirt off. You know, show the world your roles and, and love it and laugh with it. And everyone will love you for it. Or they won't. But try it. And it's been amazing, Joe. I, I'm so grateful to have had the courage to be myself out there. And now I get to marry my comedy and my, yeah, and my yeah. real passions. And it's just awesome. If those of you are wondering what kind of ads we're talking about, if you just go to Jamil, well, what's your Facebook page called? Astro Flipping? My Facebook's just my name, Jamil Damji, or my Instagram has all my videos, J at okay. A Damji, at J D A M J I. Follow me on Instagram if, you, if you're uh, compelled to. Um, or not, but if you are compelled to follow me on Instagram and check them out, you'll I think you'll enjoy yourself. I have fun making them. Yeah, what's up, Tosh? What's up, Tosh? Tosh says here, Astro Elite Love. Awesome. That Tosh um, my students, awesome, amazing. Yeah. So, yep. Okay, so uh, I want to ask you more questions about like in a nutshell, summary level, what are you teaching in astro flipping? Uh, what's your main core strategy there? So um it's uh it's a fewfold. I definitely begin by by trying to shortcut or or really get to the the fruit of a deal fast. So I start off by teaching how to JV, how to really find buyers quickly and then leverage inventory from other wholesalers to get to the check. Once you've got a few deals going in there, I start diving into more real strategy on acquisition so we 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 get into agent relationships, we get into cold calling, we get into texting. And so it is a full scale program. I'm not just leaving one, th doing one thing. It's not a one trick pony. It's the entire business model. We really dive into our systems that we use at Keegley. And then we also focus in on teaching people how to build better buyers lists, right? So really diving into the disposition. I look at it like this, Joe, what do Michael Jackson and Prince have in common. I know this is such a loaded, terrible thing. Is that like almost 
question. I'm trying um, to think of a politically correct que- uh, answer. They're dead. <laughs> right. They're dead. Okay, that's good. They're okay, they're dead. But in addition to them being dead, um, they made a ton of money and all is well and great, great, great. But you know what? They were both signed to Sony. Really? Yes. And guess who is still getting paid off both of those dead men? Sony. So I look at it like, do I want to be an artist in the world or am I wanting to be the record label? Do I want to be the distribution? And that is what I teach. I teach you how not to just be the artist. I teach you how to get out there and become the distribution in your area. And if you can control the distribution in your area, you are king. And that is truly what we do. That's kind of the whole producer consumer thing too, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, Okay. I want to ask you about licensing issues. All right. So when you, when you're teaching somebody who maybe doesn't have a license to go find buyers first and then go find deals. How do you do that the right way without getting into trouble? Well, first off, I'm a big proponent for getting licensed. Yeah, me too. I, uh, I believe that regulation isn't a problem. I think that getting a real estate license gives you more tools. And so I'm, I'm not one of those folks that says, F a license, don't do it. No, 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 no. Go get a license. However, the, this whole concept of, of equitable interest is what we're talking about, right? And so when you're talking to buyers, first off, you can't be presenting any opportunities that you don't have an option or a contract on. But you can say, my job, what I do on a day-to-day basis is I go out and I find opportunities that are in distress, that have equity, that you instantly make money the day you close. Are you interested in, in buying or, or looking at opportunities that look like that? Yes, great. Please opt into my buyer's list. Okay. You do that over and over and over and over again. Now yeah. you've got your buyer's list, right? That's that yeah. takes time and effort. And we teach a whole schwack of strategies on how to find those people. But now you've completed building a buyer's list or you're building a buyer's list. And now you need to go out and find inventory. And the only way you can sell that inventory legally without a license is by having equitable interest. And so you're going to either have to have the house under contract or be in an option agreement with the contract holder so you can actually legally market it to your buyer. All we are is marketing contracts here, right? We're not selling houses. We're marketing the opportunity to buy the house. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that is how the licensing requirement is, is skated around. However, I'm again, always a proponent of licensing. I think everybody at Keegley is licensed. My entire operation is licensed. And so because of that, I'm always a proponent for it. I think yeah. it's, it's easy to do it, You know, it's it, it, at, at most you can you, three weeks crash course, get it done, you know, yeah. seven, 700 bucks. Why not? Yeah. I'm licensed too. And I've always taught that, um, we need to treat realtors as our friends, not as our enemies, right? Like you can do so many deals with realtors. Let me ask you a question related to that then. If you are doing these wholesale deals as a realtor, are you getting paid as through as a commission or as an assignment fee double close? In other words, can you still yeah. do wholesaling as a realtor? I believe you can. You're the principal in the transaction. So now you're the contract holder and you're entitled to uh, transact yeah. on it. You know, the, holding a license does not require you or does not bar you from being able to wholesale disclosure is the key though right and so when you're disclosing to the parties involved your intentions and why you're in the deal and that you're in it to make money and you're not representing when you understand agency and you and you disclose your agency relationship or lack thereof within a transaction appropriately and you disclose and you and you document yourself correctly you can absolutely wholesale without any problems yeah like that. good 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 
Okay, so I want to ask you some questions diving deeper into finding buyers. What are some of your favorite ways to find buyers in this market right now? Well, I like the fast buyer, the ready buyer now, right? So the one of the problems that wholesalers have is that they've got a contract, they've got a buyer, they've got a list of buyers. They now have a contract. However, they, they send their deal out and all their buyers have a project they're working on and no one is ready to pull the trigger right now. Well, that doesn't mesh up with your timing, does it? No. So how do you find a buyer right now? So I have this one trick or this one process that we use at Keegley every day. My team will look at the MLS listings for the day. So the last 24 hours, what properties were just listed on the MLS that appear to be flip properties? See, people ignore those, right? When we're wholesalers, we're looking at houses that look like they're a flip. We're just scrolling past them like, oh, that's already nice. That's already nice. That's not a house I want. That's not a house I want. Uh-huh. That's your buyer, baby. See that guy who just listed that property that's a flip property and you know it's a flip because it's beautifully renovated, it's staged and there's no clothes in the closet, all right? That house is, that guy is ready for his next deal right now. He just listed that house today, last 24 hours. Guess what he needs? His next project. So you find out who the owner of that house is, you skip trace him and call him or you call the realtor who listed it because that realtor may be working with 10 of those guys, and they would be the gatekeeper to being able to sell more deals to their buyers. And well, so a lot of those realtors are the renovators. You know, they will list their own properties. Or a part of the team, right? A part of the team. And so I started the realtor because I never want to circumvent. I always want to treat the agent as my my brother or sister and my friend. Get at them first, see if they want to put together a deal. If they don't answer their phone or they they brush me off. I then find the title holder and I skip trace and I go about it that way. But that's one of my favorite ways to find a buyer today, right now. Another way, another another tip uh, that I've been I've been really doing well on is for new buyers, attracting new buyers. See, right now in America, we have a problem, right? We've been printing money. The coronavirus didn't help us at all. Yeah. We've been printing money, printing money, printing money, and an inflationary event is a guarantee. Inflation is just, it's, it's going, it, it, we, if you look at what it costs to go and buy eggs and bacon from, from the supermarket today is what it cost a year ago, you'll see what I'm talking about. Everything is more expensive, but I'm talking about a massive inflationary event. That is something that we absolutely will have around the corner at some point. And the smart money, when I say smart money, I mean private equity and hedge funds. Where are they buying? What are they doing right now with their funds? Are they in the markets? No, they're in housing. Right. And these guys are billionaires spending billions of dollars on data scientists to see what are the trends of the American population. And so when they are buying American homes because they see that it's an asset that is protected against inflation, that is something to pay attention to. Right. And so what I'm doing is I'm looking at where are all the rich people living in my area? I'm skip tracing them and I'm having this conversation with them. Really? Look, you're in the markets right now. You might be invested in the indexes. That's cool. You might be invested in Amazon or some other blue chips. That's cool. But the smart money right now, private equity is following housing. I believe an American housing crisis is around the corner. Inventory is low. Inventory is massively low in major metropolitan areas. Americans are renting more and more and more and more. We had a pandemic. We're in a pandemic. Population's growing. Population's growing. Migration patterns are just out of control. People are moving all over the place. And so there is an opportunity to really, really cash in on that. If you're one of those guys who thinks that the market is going to crash, I disagree with that. I don't think we're heading for a crash. I think we're headed for a deeper squeeze. 
And I see that in the next little while, there's going to be a massive opportunity in emerging markets like South Carolina, North Carolina, Indiana, Oklahoma, where you can still buy a house for 50, 60,000 and rent it for 800, like I used to do back in 2010. That's not going to be able to be available any longer. When private equity starts buying in those areas, there's, they're going to create an inventory crunch like they're creating in the cities that they are in right now. Private equity owns 10% of the homes in Phoenix. Wow, really? So when you're looking at it at that at those numbers, you absolutely and, and private equity or a subsidiary thereof, right? So smaller portfolio owners, but it is definitely an investor hole situation. And they're now moving their money into emerging markets. So I think you're gonna see a great appreciation in areas like that. And if you're really looking at cashing in and trying to, if if you're looking for the same kind of appreciation event. You want to get into those emerging markets. So for me, I find buyers that want that money, that want that opportunity. Those are the conversations I'm having with those buyers to bring it back. Oh, that's to, to I, buy. I was just going to ask you what you see for the market. Nigel, uh, Jamil is in beast mode. All right. Ty, buyer ready now. Excellent. Absolutely right. Listen, guys, we're running up to the end of our podcast and our time with Jamil. If you have any questions for Jamil, if you have anything you want to ask him, now is the time right now. Type it in of Facebook or YouTube, wherever you're watching this. And as we, uh, as people start typing in some questions, Jamil, if we get any, where can people get a hold of you if they want more information about what you do and how you do it? Where can they go? Instagram's, I think, the best place. It's I'm I'm super active in there. All the DMs get responded to. So uh, hit what me at again at J D A M J I. J D A M J I. Correct. All right, I put it here on the screen. Anything else? You have a website people can go to? Yeah, you can uh, you can find Keegley at Keegley, We're hiring. So uh, we're hiring all across the country. We'd love to hear from you if you're interested in, in working with us or for us, or if you're interested in franchise opportunities for 2022. <laughs> wow. Reach out. Uh, they, you want to be putting deposits down now because uh, they'll sell out for 2022 quick. Funny enough, Pace and I are shooting a pilot with A&E on the 26th and 27th of January. So we may be coming to a cable television show near you in the next little while. Um, a lot of exciting things coming around the corner here. I'm really, really blessed and really thankful for the opportunity and everybody that's been supporting and paying attention and, and being a part of the journey with us. Where can people get more information about Astro Flipping? Astro Flip, just www.astroflipping.com. That, that's uh, where you can find out more information or DM me on, on Instagram and we can a- absolutely service you there. Happy to help. If you need a buyer, if you're, if you're not in Astro Flipping, you're not in, you know, you're not in communication with Keegley, but you got a wholesale deal right now and you're like, what do I do? Reach out. We can help you. Nice, nice. You mentioned Pace. He's another name that I've been hearing a lot. Yeah. Not sure if I've met him or not, but he seems like a really cool guy. Um, how are you guys working together? Exactly. You met him with me. I and, did. I'm yeah. um, <laughs> but I'm hearing again, this Pace Morby, everybody's talking about him and, and he's got great little ads. Do you help him with his ads, by the way? Sometimes we work together. Um, we're very close. You know, Pace is a gr- great creative guy. You know, funny enough, we became friends because he was in a real tight spot. He had been ripped off by a wholesaler, uh, took him for a million bucks and um, uh, just was uh, a humble guy who came to me and said, can you help me out? And I did. And we just grew a friendship, an organic friendship based off of I just genuinely like the guy. 
And I've, I've never seen anybody work so hard. Wow. So Pace is one of those people that just um, I admire for his work ethic and his brain. Also, he's got an amazing family and our friendship has grown to such a tight and, and beautiful degree that I'm godfather to his, his daughter. You know, I, I travel with him around the country as we, him and I compete. And so we're actually competing against the same coaching student and the same wholesale deals. Yet we find ways to add value to each other through, com through competition in, in any way. And if he gets a deal and I don't get a deal, bless him. And if I get a deal and he doesn't get a deal, he blesses me. And we just love each other so much that I want to see him win. I want to see his family thrive. I want to see him thrive. And he shows me the same love and respect back. So we travel around the country and we talk to people about having that attitude. What does it mean to really love your competition, to really work with your competition and not see them as competitors, but collaborate with them? Yeah. Find ways to add value to each other, to cash checks together rather than find ways to, to hurt each yeah. other or to, to diminish one another. And our friendship has been so amplifying to both of our lives that it's really just one of the one of the best. He's one of the best guys I know on the planet. I love and him. He's, and he's doing a lot of creative types of financing and, and he's teaching people how to do subject twos and creative correct. Deals, right correct yeah he's a he's a wizard in my opinion in that i think he's you know of course joe we we've both looked up to you and know that you're very strong in that in that and and have been one of the 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 forefront educators in the space really look up to you really admire what you're doing and what you've been doing all this time thank you man and, and uh, it's true though you know you you don't last this long in the business joe uh, unless you're the real deal and you're the real deal um, pace and i both admire you we both love you and like you you know he's very much in that creative space he's really really intelligent at it he knows his stuff I, I personally watch him really doing deals. He's buying creative deals across the country. He's helping people figure out how to structure them, how to do them. It's amazing. Well, will you text me when we're done here, his phone number? I want to get him on my podcast. I think, I think you guys would be an amazing show together. That would be one I would love to watch. <laughs> All right, man. Jamil, it's been really good talking to you. I appreciate it. I can't wait to see you again next. I'm not sure when or where that'll be. Maybe the next family reunion mastermind thingy. But on Instagram, J-D-A-M-J-I, J-Damji. Um, Keegley.com, K-E-Y-G-L-E-E.com, or go to astroflipping.com. Guys, listen, um, I, I just, Jamil has my Stamp of approval, if that matters or anything, because I've heard so many people talking about the successes that they've had with him, deals that they're doing. He's just a really passionate, wants to see his people succeed. And uh, so, yeah, go check out his websites right now. Go to astroflipping.com or keygleegot.com. We're looking them up on uh, Instagram. Thanks, man, for being on my show. I really appreciate it. I got to figure out what's wrong with my camera. Thank but, you for um, the invitation. I'm so grateful for you. I'm so grateful to have this opportunity to chat. Again, big fan of yours, and I hope, I'm so excited to see you at the family reunion. Well, let's talk later offline about where and when we can meet again. Awesome. Because there's some cool things that are going on, and, and I'm starting to travel a little more. Um, it'll be cool to have you come up to St. Louis for whatever strange reason. I used to live in Edmonton, Alberta as a kid. Wow. So I know how cold it is up there. Yes. And we lived in a little trailer uh, with, like, single plane glass windows, and I would freeze. Are you Canadian? No, I was just—I just lived there for a couple of years as a kid. What a terrible place to live. <laughs> we uh, we were there when Wayne Gretzky was winning all of those Stanley Cups. Oh, yeah, I love Wayne Gretzky. He had the Eastern Aluminum that that hockey stick that used to like that made all the goalies freak yeah. out. The light would shine in their eyes and they'd score. <laughs> well, it's crazy. 
I remember thinking the, the Calgary Flames. You're in Calgary, right? Yes. Sir. And uh, the Calgary Flames. I remember they were like our arch enemy. Yes, still are. I thought. Yeah. And I boo, hated the boo, boo. <laughs> I hated the Flames. And then when Gretzky moved to LA, it was shortly right around that time I moved to San Diego with my family. Oh, and we'd go up to the Coliseum in LA to watch the. I think it was called the Coliseum. We'd go watch the, uh, the Gretzky play for the Kings. It's crazy. Oh. Joe, I'll be in St. Louis, actually. We have a franchise operating out there, so my, my I plan to come out there and, and do an event, kick off our franchise, so I'll be seeing you then, too. Oh, please definitely text me and let me know when you'll be, be here, and I'll block off uh, some time on my calendar. I'd love to hang out with you, Beautiful. Joe. Beautiful. All right, guys. Go right. check out Jamil's stuff. We will see you all later on the next episode of Real Estate Investing Mastery. If you're listening to this and you missed the, the, the links or you want to get the show notes or the transcripts of this podcast, just go to my website, realestateinvestingmastery.com or reimpodcast.com. Get all the show notes and get the links for Jamil and stuff like that. Uh, we'll see you guys. Oh, we got a bunch of comments in here. Always a good show. Chad McCall, my brother from another mother. Awesome. Um, Chad McCall, M-I, me, Vita, hit me up at Manny underscore A-Z. Uh, Justin, thanks, Joe and Jamil. You guys are both awesome. Such a blessing to all of you. Wish the government could do this. I'm sure that was good. Um, okay, one more deal. One more question here, Jamil, from Adam. Do you text, call, or email blast new buyers with a deal? All of the above, Adam. We start by texting. Uh, the text moves to a call. And then if we don't sell our deal off of like our first VIP, then we move to our general email list. And so uh, it's a it's a blended combination of all three yes bombs me me vita is a um he's an arizona astro flipping student awesome. looking for wholesalers to squat up with Mevita, let's uh let's hang out come to my office man i'd love to i'd love to see you in person brother and of course brian tripp he has to chime in because we met at his event in birmingham that was I, let me just say brian tripp i'm <laughs> so grateful to him I met, I got to meet you. I got to meet Ty the Flipman, who I've been working with since. Brian is a connector, extraordinaire, fantastic man, great father, great guy, great dude. His events are fantastic. His brand is great. Love you, Brian. Brian's a good dude. Love you, Brian. All right. And then Tosh says awesomeness. Good. All right. That's it. Uh, we're getting a bunch of a bunch of comments in here. Astro fam, great video. Luis. To the moon, baby. All right. All right, guys, we'll see you all later. Take care, and uh, we'll talk soon, Jamil.